All right, hey, let's... guys. I'm going to pray because Caitlin told me I had to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to pray and then she's going to take the floor. So if you'll bow with me. Almighty God, thank you for another lovely day with all of these amazing ladies. Lord, help us to open our hearts and our minds during this lesson. Help us to soak it in and really get your words. Lord, be with Caitlin and help her to teach us all really well. And let us have a great rest of our day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I am up here to talk about mental stability. And I find that really funny for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, of course, we need someone to talk about the brain, so they send the science nerd up here to tell you guys about it. So, you know, there's one. Um, the second one that I find really funny is that I'm actually terrible at maintaining mental stability. So um, the fact that I'm up here talking about it is just really funny to me because it's not my strong suit. Um, so the reason that I struggle with it is because our brains are actually really tricky. And so I am going to prove to you just how tricky your brains are with a little activity. So you have a note card. On your, on your table, so everybody grab a note card. And so once you have your note card, you're going to draw on one end, it works better if you do it on the side that is plain, like no lines. Um, draw an X on one side and a dot on the other side. Does anybody need pen? Yes, please. Thank you. Well, it which side. It does not matter which side the X and the dot are on, as long as they're on the same side of the paper, just on opposite ends. Everybody good? Yeah. Okay, so now what you're going to do is you're going to hold this out in front of you. It doesn't matter which side the X is on, but whatever side the X is on, you're going to close that eye. So like for me, I've got it on my left side, so I'm going to close my left eye. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to, with the eye that's open, stare at the X, and you're going to move the card closer to your face and away from your face, and pay attention to what happens to the dot. What? Oh my gosh. Right? Yes. So, fun fact, your brain is tricking you at all times. So, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, right? So here's what's happening, right? So inside of your eye on the very back, you have a retina. The retina has all the cells that can see light and dark in different colors. Um, the problem is that where the optic nerve, which actually connects to the retina and takes it up to the brain, where that connects, there cannot be any cells. And so in that one spot in each of your eyes, you can't see anything. Now, if you have both eyes open, no problem, right? Your eyes, you're, you're like, you have a left and right eye, so they just like fill in the gaps. But if you have only one eye open, then you've got a problem because now you can't see anything in that one spot. And so your brain, rather than just like short circuiting, it um, you know just like fills that in with what's around it. So it sees the white on the paper and it says, oh well, it might just might just be white, right? Because everything else is. Um, and so it just actually tricks you. Um, and so I think spiritually we can be a lot like that too. We have blind spots where our brain tricks us sometimes. Um, and that can make us do some really dumb stuff. Um, so um, I like to call that part of my brain that does the dumb stuff, the trauma brain. Um, and so I'm gonna give you like the 60 second overview of my specific trauma so that way you guys have some um, understanding of where I'm coming from. A lot of you don't really know me that well. So um, this is the really brief version. There's a whole lot of layers to this. If you wanna come talk to me about it later, feel free. Um, I'll gladly share, you more, share more details with you. Um, but basically all of my trauma pretty much is tied to my mom. Um, she left when I was six. Um, even before that, she was like spending a lot of time cheating on my dad and stuff. So I really don't have any, very many memories of my mom being around when I was a kid. 
Um, and then after they got divorced, she was never really super stable. Uh, my mom has a lot of mental health issues, and so she was always bouncing around from one place to another, bouncing around with different men, different jobs. And so, you know, we saw her occasionally, never really super consistently. Um, however, that actually would have been the better option if she had stayed gone. Because <laughs> um, when she came back and decided that we were like old enough to like take care of ourselves, uh, me and my siblings, um, she decided that she wanted to actually like, you know, spend time with us. And so we went to live with her for a summer when I was 11. Um, worst summer of my life, easily. <laughs> um, there was just a lot of really negative things that happened. She, um, that was also the summer that she sexually abused me. And so, um, you know, things just like didn't get any better from there, right? Um, even after that, I still would spend a little bit of time with her occasionally for the next couple of years. And then when I, when I was 14, I decided like, no more. I'm done with like being on her roller coaster and said like, either you get help for yourself or like, I'm done. Um, and haven't talked to her really since other than the occasional you know, sibling's birthday party or whatever when she just happens to show up. Um, so like I said, that's the brief overview. Um, there's a lot more that obviously goes to that, but I wanted you guys to have that background um, as I'm talking so you know what I mean when I say the trauma brain. Um, so we know from scientific research that that type of trauma affects the brain, right? It affects the actual pathways and the connections between the cells in our brain um, for all of us. And, and so that's what I'm talking about when I say the trauma brain. Um, but even if you haven't had some type of trauma like that, I know a lot of us in the room have had trauma like that, but even if you haven't, you probably still have a little bit of the trauma brain because people are mean to us, bad things happen, um, life is tough, um, and Satan definitely isn't kind to us. And so you probably still have a little bit of that trauma brain. Um, so what are some of the things that trauma brain tells us? Well, first of all, it's like just completely filled with lies, right? It's, there's no truth in it. Um, so some of the things that I just thought of off the top of my head of like the things that it tells me, um, it tells me that I'm not enough and that enough can be a lot of different things, right? So I'm not smart enough, not successful enough. Big one for me is I'm not feminine enough. Um, I stand up here wearing sweatpants and a hockey hoodie. Um, written. <laughs> But yeah, so it, it tells us that we're not, not enough in a lot of ways, and that probably looks different for each of us, but I can guarantee that there's something that it tells you that you're not enough of. Um, it tells me that I'm not worthy of loving other people or being loved by other people, um, and a lot of times that shows up for me as like the hyper-independence, right? I can do everything on my own, I don't need anybody, everybody stay away, keep everybody at arm's length. It tells me that I don't deserve good things, or that maybe the, good, or the bad things that do happen to me, I deserve those. Um, and so that can be a really um, negative mindset that I get myself into. Um, and then it tells me that feelings are bad, they make me weak, and that I should just like do everything that I can to avoid them at all times. Um, so again, all lies, right? Nothing good comes from any of those things. Um, but thank God, that is not the only part of my brain. There's another side that works exactly the way that God intended it to. And so I like to call that part the logic brain. So we've got the trauma brain and the logic brain. Um, and so the logic brain operates very differently. It's filled with a whole bunch of truth and hope and all things that are good. Um, also, it's not all logic. It has a lot of feelings too. And I've had to learn that those feelings are good and that they can be really useful as long as I use them the right way. Um, it also tells me that, or it gives me the ability to make rational choices. Um, and the most important of which is that it gives me the ability to, to make choices about God and who he, who he is and who he says that I am. Um, now it's important to note that I can't stop at just that like head knowledge of God. He like wants so much more for us than just that knowledge. Um, but for me, that was where it had to start. It had to start with like this very um, rational decision that like this is who God actually is, and that He is who He says He is. 
So um, I make that distinction between the logic brain and the trauma brain for two reasons. First of all, it just like gives me an easy way to talk about it. So whenever I'm having a rough day, that's the text that I send to my people is, it's trauma brain day. <laughs> um, and so they know exactly what that means. What? You have to wait. <laughs> my thunder. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so it gives me the easy way to talk about it, um, and the people in my life who help me navigate that, they know exactly what that means, they know exactly, you know, the questions to ask me and the things to do to help me get out of that mindset. The other reason that I do that is because it gives me the ability to give myself some grace, um, because trauma brain likes to tell me that that's all that I am, right, that that makes up the entirety of, of who I am as a person, and that's not the reality, that's only a small part, um, and it's, not really ever completely in control. And so having that distinction of like, oh, this is just a piece of me, not all of me, gives me the ability to, to give myself some grace and try to work through um, all the things that it's telling me. So now we've talked a little bit about what the trauma brain and the logic brain are. Um, let's talk about um, some practicals for how we can get that mental stability and make sure that logic brain stays in control and the trauma brain doesn't get control. So I've got three, three things that really work for me. So the first one is that I have to identify how my brain actually works. Um, and that's all parts, both the logic brain and the trauma brain, figuring out how they work. Um, in Lamentations 3.40, it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. And so that was written at a time when Israel was in captivity. They had been banished uh, to Babylon. And so, um, you know, Jeremiah is telling them, like, think about the things that you've done, um, figure out what went wrong, and then that can help us get back to where we need to be. And so I think that that applies to us as well. We can figure out how does our brain work and what is it doing, and that will help us get back to what God wants for us. So um, some ways that we might do that, and so again, this is um, very kind of personalized for each person. Um, our brains are remarkably different. Um, and so, you know, what works for me may not work for you, but uh, here's some, some ideas for how you can do that. So one thing that's been really helpful for me has been journaling. Um, so keeping a journal of just like the things that I'm thinking, I started doing that when I was in college. Um, and that just like, especially in those days, right? I didn't start talking about my sexual abuse until I was like 25 or 26. And so um, even before that, like the only safe place that I had to go was a journal. I didn't have friends that I could talk to who I would really like, that I knew were safe people. And so that helped me to kind of start working through all of those issues. The other really cool thing about that is that it gives you a way to go back and look and see where you were once and see the promises that God has answered for us or the prayers that God has answered for us. Um, I did that when I was um, preparing for this study. I went back and read through some of my um, journals from college and it was just like, just amazing to see the ways that God answered those prayers and those things that I was thinking about right then. Um, like 21 year old me had no idea um, how good 33 year old me would have it. Um, because of the ways that he, that he answered prayers. Um, so that's one way to do it. Um, one kind of um, silly or ridiculous way to do that is through personality tests. Um, I love to do personality tests. I'm a person who likes data and evidence, and that's like data about myself. So that's really exciting to me. <laughs> um, so there's a group of us in here that has an entire text thread <laughs> where we are just sharing personality information with each other. Yes. Um, and so we, some of it's just like ridiculous, right? It's like just stupid memes of the dumb stuff that we do because we are who we are and we can laugh at each other and laugh at ourselves. Um, but some of it is also like really heartfelt and just like 
um, man, like I didn't realize this about myself and like sharing it with, with each other. And that's been really a cool way for us to grow with each other and also just as, as individuals. Um, another really big way that we can do this is through our Manasseh classes, right? So we've got Healing is a Choice and then a whole bunch of other ones that come after that. If you haven't taken those, do it. Um, they are not always fun, <laughs> but they are definitely worth it. Um, so like for me, you know, I took Healing is a Choice and then also Wounded Heart, uh, which is the one that Kayla talked about last night that's for people who have dealt with sexual abuse. Um, and so like, again, like the whole point of those classes is to help understand what is going on inside of our brains. And so it's really useful because of that. Um, but then also, it gives us a way to start building that hope. Um, the single biggest predictor for like how people gain hope is if they see that in other people that are around them. And so, um, so like me taking Wounded Heart Rail was teaching it, and so getting to hear her stories about how she had been through sexual abuse and how she was able to get past that, um, or working through getting past that, um, gave a lot of hope to me as I was trying to work through it myself. So uh, we can't just stop at figuring out that knowledge, right? We can figure out how the trauma brain and the logic brain is working, but we can't just stop there. We've got to do something about it. And so as Ashley already alluded to, um, my catchphrase, say to yourself, that's just the trauma brain. Tell that bitch to shut up. <laughs> um, so that was a phrase that was born out of the dumpster fire that was 2020 yeah. um, when me and Kayla and Rail were in cell together. And that was a thing that we just had to like repeat to each other like on a daily basis. Um, because of just like all the junk that was going on in our lives, COVID related and non at that time. Um, but yeah, so just like find a way to shut it down. Um, and so the way that you do that again is gonna be very personalized. Um, I'll tell you some of the ways that I do that. Um, and it looks different for me for each situation. It's not like all of these apply to every situation, but this is some of the stuff that I do. So first of all, I give myself permission to have feelings about it uh, because again, I don't like to have feelings. Um, if I had the option to not do that, that's what I would do. Um, but that's not the way that it actually works. And so I have to give myself like explicit permission and time and space to actually feel those feelings and like just kind of sit with them for a minute. Um, one thing that we did for a while and we've kind of gotten away from is the, the say something nice about yourself. So whenever, um, I know we were going to do it last night and nobody got it. Um, but yeah, so interrupting those negative thoughts of like, you know, having your friends say, say something nice about yourself when you're trying to say something not so nice about yourself um, is a good way to do that. Um, getting it out of your brain. So again, journaling was kind of how I started with that. Um, so if that's kind of where you are, start with that. Don't stop there though. Um, actually talk to other people too. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but getting it out of your brain is super helpful. Don't let it just stay there and rattle around because that's not gonna serve you well. Um, sometimes I have to do something active. So, um, that just helps me shift my focus. I'm not gonna steal all of Kelly Sundrick's shoes and talk about that in, in a minute. But, um, when I was taking Wounded Heart, one of the rules that I made for myself was after our classes on Tuesday night, I could not go home unless I went to the gym first. And so, you know, even if it was, you know, sometimes we'd get out of there at like 10, 10.30 at night and I would still make myself go to the gym. So that way I could, you know, further process the things that we were just talking about. I knew if I went home, it was just gonna, result in me sitting there not being able to sleep and just having anxiety brain, trauma brain, just rattling around all that information for hours. And so I would go to the gym and I can't tell you the number of times that I had like these light bulb moments while I was just in the gym, um, you know, lifting heavy stuff or running on the hamster wheel. Um, <laughs> but it, it was helpful. So I, it's a thing that I do. Um, 
And then for me, like I'm an introvert, so again, I know that that's part of my personality, and so sometimes I just need alone time. Um, and so occasionally I just like to disappear into the woods for a couple of days. Um, I don't completely disappear. Somebody always knows where I am. Because um, as I told Kayla once, I want to disappear, but only temporarily. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so somebody always has my location. Um, but sometimes I just need that. I need to get out and get away from people and get away from stuff and my phone and all of those mm -hmm. things and just like give my brain some, some time and space to decompress. So those are just some of the things that work for me. Like I said, find what works for you. Um, if those don't work for you, try something different. You don't lose anything by trying something. If it doesn't work, try something different. Um, so that's the first thing we have to do. We have to be able to figure out how our brains work, both the trauma brain and the logic brain, and then tell it to shut up. Um, tell the trauma brain to shut up, not logic brain. Um, second thing we have to do is that we have to surround ourselves with people who also know how the trauma brain works. Um, and there's two different parts to this. The first part is that I've got to find people who are trustworthy and who are following God. Um, in Proverbs 18:24, it says, uh, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So don't hear this and say, that means that I shouldn't have friends that are outside of the church because that is absolutely not true. Um, you should be going out and making friends with people who are um, in the world. Um, you know, right, that's the whole point of the Great Commission is that we're supposed to be going out and telling people about the hope that we have. Um, however, if you are relying on those people for all of your advice, you are setting yourself up for failure. Find the people instead who are reliable, who are trustworthy, and who you know are following God, and you know that they're following God because their actions match up with their words. Um, I also am going to seek out friends <laughs> who are not just going to tell me what I want to hear. Um, I have a really great benefit, and then I have Kayla and Naomi as two of my closest friends, and neither of them will tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> and so um, that sounds like a bad thing sometimes, but it's actually a really good thing. Um, in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, wounds, for, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So, you know, if, if your friends are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're being faithful to God, then they're probably going to say something that hurts your feelings at some point because you need to hear it. Um, and so they're going to wound you, but we can trust that they're doing that for the right reason. And that, again, if they're following God, that they're having God's interest for us, not, you know, their own or not even my own interest. And that is a really good thing. Um, another quick side note here is that you should seek out more than one friend that's like this. Yeah. Um, do not rely on just one friend because, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. Um, one, it just becomes way too easy for things like codependency to happen, um, and that is, gets so toxic so fast. Um, and I can tell you from experience, that does not lead anywhere good. Um, so seek out at least a handful of friends that you know that you can trust um, and be talking to all of them about the things that you're going through. Don't just rely on one person. Um, so that's the first part of this surrounding myself with people is that it has to be people that are going to be reliable and trustworthy and who are following God. The second part is that I also have to be willing to be open and vulnerable. Um, it does me no good if I have friends who will tell me what I want to hear if I never actually let them see who I really am. And so that is a really important part of this is that I have to be willing and able to be vulnerable. And I say that completely out of weakness because I am terrible at this. Um, I really struggle with it so much. And so... Um, it's not impossible to work through it, but it definitely does take some work sometimes, especially for those of us who carry a lot of trauma with us. Um, so the word vulnerable literally means capable of being wounded. And so if you're talking about wounds from a friend can be trusted, then that means that you have to be willing to open yourself up to being wounded. 
Um, if you don't do that, then it's not going to do you any good. Um, vulnerability is also super important for human connection. There's a whole lot of research that says that. Um, one of my favorite authors is Brene Brown. I don't know if some of you probably know who that is. Um, she literally is a um, psychology researcher who studies shame and vulnerability. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I love a lot of the stuff that she's written, and she's done some like TED Talks and podcasts and all kinds of stuff, and I just love it all because, um, honestly, seeing her first TED Talk, like probably close to a decade ago, literally changed my life because I wouldn't have gotten into ministry if it hadn't been for that. I would have never opened myself up to talking about my abuse, talking about all the things from my childhood that nobody else knew. Um, and so um, she talks about how necessary vulnerability is for human connection. And so one of the, the quotes from her TED Talk that I love is, um, she says, vulnerability is at the core of fear and shame, but it's also the birthplace of joy, creativity, belonging, and love. So all that stuff that Kayla was talking about last night, we don't get that if we don't let ourselves be vulnerable. Um, and so that is just a super important part of this process. Uh, we can't shut down vulnerability selectively. So I can choose not to be vulnerable so I can protect myself from all the fear and shame and all that stuff. And it will work, but it will also shut down the possibility that I get things like joy and connection and love. So don't do it. Do what you have to to, to let yourself be vulnerable. Um, so that's the second thing. So first thing, figure out what the trauma brain looks like, how it operates, shut it down. The second thing, surround yourself with people who are, um, who are gonna help you understand how the trauma brain works and help, help you navigate that. And then the third thing is probably the most important and that's to be in the word. Um, you know, trauma brain is telling us nothing but lies. So if we're gonna shut it up, then the best way to do that is to feed it truth. And so that truth comes from the Bible and that's the only place that it comes from. Um, one of the things that I've been going through with the teen girls on Sunday morning, we've been talking about a lot, a lot about anxiety, right? They're in eighth grade going into high school soon. Middle school is a place that's filled with anxiety. <laughs> um, and then that transition even more so. And so one of the things that we started doing was um, looking for the promises that God has in the Bible that fit our scenario and then meditating on them. Um, and so figure out what those, those promises are. Um, and then, you know, spend time thinking about them, spend time praying about them, talk to God about them, remind him, hey God, you said this. I need this now, um, because as you're reminding him, you're also reminding yourself. Um, so an example of how that might work, right? So, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I think is one of the, the outcomes of my, my sexual abuse is that I am same-sex attracted. Um, I know many of you know that, some of you don't. If you didn't, now you do. Um, I firmly believe that that is related to um, being sexually abused by a woman. Um, that doesn't mean that it is for everybody, but for me, I definitely think that it is. And so as someone who's same-sex attracted, one of the things that I struggle with from time to time is loneliness. And so when I'm looking through the Bible, finding a promise, uh, one that I found is in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so when I am praying about that, I say, God, you said this. You said you're not going to leave me, you're not going to forsake me. I need that now. And so do that to remind him and remind yourself. Um, a second part of this is, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, God can handle whatever questions you have. Um, I'm probably the biggest doubter and skeptic in the world, right? I like proof, I like evidence. Um, and so the fact that God allows me to do that is one of the things that won me over about him. Um, in Isaiah 1, 18, it says, come, let us reason together. Um, I love that God is not a God who tells us just to do it because he said so. Um, he tells us, come, let's talk about it together. Let's figure it out together. Um, I think that like, if he wasn't like that, I don't know that I'd be able to follow him. I know that I wouldn't. 
Um, and so uh, this is something that I've struggled with for a long time. When I was in college, I struggled with a lot. Um, I became a Christian when I was 15, and so I went away to college um, a few years later, and like, I went to a Christian college thinking that was gonna help. It actually didn't. That's a whole story for a different day. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I did get out of that experience was, especially my science professors, right? So I studied science, but I'm also at a religious institution. And so a lot of people see that as like butting heads, but my professors didn't. And so I went to one of them one day and I was like, okay, so like, make this make sense. How do you, like, how do you figure out what's real and what's not? Um, and so he told me um, this analogy, which is, that he treats everything as if he's sitting on a jury, right? So if you're sitting on a jury, you get presented with all this different evidence. There's no way that you can go back in time and actually see what happened at the moment that the crime was committed. But you know, you can get some fingerprints. You know, if it's murder, you might get a murder weapon. You, you know, you've got people who may, maybe have seen what happened. Um, their stories may or may not line up exactly. And so you've got to kind of wade through the evidence and figure out which pieces are, are pointing, you know, which, which direction. And so he said to treat science and faith like that. Um, Look at all the pieces of evidence that you are, you're coming into contact with and see which direction they're pointing. Um, and if you're truly seeking God, he promises us that he can be found. And so if you are seeking God that way, then as you're seeing these pieces of evidence, you're going to be able to see if they're pointing towards God or not. And so that's kind of how I've lived my life. And, um, you know, I, I did that for the rest of college for like wading through just like navigating science and faith and then navigating through all the same sex attraction stuff. Um, you know, the ways that I did that was by looking at all these pieces of evidence and then seeing which direction they pointed. Um, I'm a firm believer that if God's truth is really the truth, like capital T truth, then truth is going to win out. So I can look wherever I need to look to try to find that truth. And if it's pointing to him, then it's going to win out. Um, in Psalms uh, 119, 160, it says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. The world likes to tell us that truth is subjective, that I can live my truth and you can live yours, you do you, I'll do me, and we can all just live in perfect harmony together. That's not what this talks about, <laughs> right? That's not what that verse says. It says that God's truth is the truth um, and that that is where we get righteousness from and that's the only place. Um, if I'm not willing to seek out real truth, then I need to check my motives. Um, so there's another scripture, um, John 3, 19 through 21 that says the light came into the world and people love darkness more than light for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. So if you're doing something sketchy, you're probably gonna be trying to hide it. <laughs> um, if you're trying to actually find God and find truth, then you're gonna bring that to the light. You're gonna ask the people around you, the people who are following God that we just talked about, um, to help have them help you. You're going to be looking in the Bible. Um, you're going to see, like, is this pointing to the light or not? Um, so just one more note on this uh, before we move on. If you struggle to be in the word, give yourself some grace. Um, the trauma brain likes to tell us that, like, it's all or nothing, right? Like, mm -hmm. if I can't read a whole chapter or read a whole book or, you know, whatever the standard is that you think in your brain is the standard, it's not. Read one scripture if you have to, um, one single verse, and God's going to bless your life with it. Start where you need to start and then go from there. Um, he's going he's gonna to work with what he's got. Um, so that's the third thing I think we need to do. So we've got, we've got to figure out how our brains work um, and then tell it to shut up if we need to. Um, we surround ourselves with people who are following God, and then we are in the word making sure that everything lines up with God's truth. So what's the point of all of this? Um, so you know, throughout the day, we're talking. Well, I'm talking about mental stability. 
Um, we're going to talk about physical stability, emotional stability, and um, spiritual stability later. And so um, it kind of paints this picture of a table being stable, right? So it's got four legs. So we've got four things that make our uh, spiritual table stable, right? Um, so if you remove any one of those, it's going to be wobbly. Um, and I really think that the other three don't exist without mental stability first, because you have to make the conscious choice to follow God. You've got to, you've got to make the choice. Um, and we get the choice, right? It's not like I have to make a choice. It's I get to choose. Um, God gives us the option. Um, Satan's going to use whatever he can to try to get us to do something different. He's going to use the trauma brain against us. He's going to try to make us believe those lies that he likes to tell about us. Um, but don't do it. Don't get caught in those blind spots um, because God has something much bigger and much greater planned for us. Um, if we can just like give in to letting him help us make us stable.